as we assemble for this, this Bible study, we need to pray for our heart that is prepared to receive God's word so that we can benefit from it. I would like us to turn to the Lord in prayer. Because you have given us the opportunity this morning to read the scriptures, to talk about the scriptures, we want to thank you because you have given us your wand. And we pray, Lord God, that even as we seek to understand the message from the book of Abakak, that, Lord God, you prepare our hearts, you give us understanding, and you make us attentive to hear what you have to say to us this day. Be merciful, Lord, and help us to be attentive to leave behind whatever it is that could interfere with our concentration and understanding of the Word of God. We want to thank you for this moment. We pray even for this day because it is a day when we gather to hear your Word preached it's a big opportunity, but Lord, we are also aware that the evil one is always present to take away that one. So we pray, Lord God, that by your spirit, we'll be able to understand what you have for us this day. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. I would like us to... Look at the book of Habakkuk. We have problems even in pronouncing the name Habakkuk or Habakkuk. Habakkuk, that is uh, where I'm going to base my lessons for this class and also for the, 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 the other classes. And I'm, I'm calling it uh, clinging to God in the midst of perplexity. Habakkuk is one of the minor prophets. And because of that reason, I, I don't know whether that, that, that could be the reason, because as I've been learning, standing to prepare for this session, I learned that uh, Abakak is not a, a very popular book. It's, I can't even remember us reading that book in this church or having a series of sermons preached from it for 
the time I've been in this church, maybe we have found some, some sermons, but a detailed study of this book, I, I cannot remember. Also, we like giving our children Christian names. I can't think of anybody by the name Habakkuk, whereas other prophets like Jeremiah, like Daniel, like uh, Isaiah, Hosea, when those names are mentioned, it most likely you will remember a person by that name. But Abakak, I don't know, is there anybody who has heard somebody called by that name? Hmm? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that, and uh, I can't remember myself. But uh, somebody bearing that name, have you, have you come across? I don't think so. What does it mean? And uh, even if we are saying Abakak is, to a certain extent, a neglected book, maybe because it's one of the minor prophets, that should not be the reason, because the reason why they are called minor prophets is because they are, they, they are short. Abakak is only three chapters. Isaiah has got 66 chapters. And, uh, and uh, also, maybe the other reason why this book, people tend to neglect this book is because it is prophecy, and prophecy is difficult. To understand, to interpret, it can be challenging. Abakak also deals with the problems of human existence and God's activity, divine activity, dealing with problems of sin. And uh, sometimes, also wondering what God is doing in the midst of the confusion, the frustration, the challenges that we face in this life. Is God involved? And then when you look at it, just like the other books of prophecy, it uses a variety of styles literary styles of composition are employed in this book. So when, when you, you, you read Abakak, you are reading prophetic literature. It's, it's a prophecy. That is how the book itself starts. Because the first verse is the oracle that Abakak, the prophet, saw. So it, it's a prophecy written by a prophet. And uh, also, when you read it, there's wisdom. It's, it's part of the wisdom literature. 
dealing with deep questions of life, especially when we look at man's activity and God's action in the midst of the suffering that there is in the world and the sin that there is in the world. You read it and there is a lamentation in it. There is grief, an expression of grief and sorrow in this book. When you read it also, you will find that the prophet is complaining. Complaining about the action of God's people, their sin, their wickedness, and uh, the seeming inactivity of God. And when you look at the third chapter, it is a psalm. Just like the other psalms, the third chapter, the, the last line is actually addressed to the choir master with the stringed instruments. So, just like the other, the other book, the, 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 the other, the Psalms, this one was supposed to be sung. So it, it is a Psalm. And the other thing that we note about this book is uh, like, like the rest of, or many of the, 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 the prophets, the writings of the prophets, the style that is used is, uh, po is, is poetry. What is referred to as lying parallelism. Where they, the, even within a verse or within one, one portion, the, the, the first line is repeated, is repeated where the second line repeats the first line to bring out more understanding of the first line. This is what we find especially in the Psalms. For example, Psalm 1, no, Psalm 19 verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God. That's the first part of the line. And if you listen to the second part, it, it's bringing out more emphasis about the glory of God. And the sky above proclaims his handiwork. So that is what we see in this book. We may not be familiar with Habakkuk, this book, but we need to realize that it's part of scripture. And Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. So even if we have not studied this book, Still, it's part of God's word, and it is profitable. It is inspired, every line of it. Even if it is the oracle of the prophet Habakkuk. 
it is God's inspired word, and it is profitable for our instruction, for correcting us, for training us in righteousness so that we may be competent and equipped for every good work. Habakkuk, as we have already noted, is a rare name. In fact, the name doesn't appear anywhere else in the Bible except in this book. In verse 1, chapter 1, verse 1, we read the oracle, the oracle that Habakkuk, the prophet, saw. And then in chapter 3, verse 1, we read a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, according to Sigion North. So, and those are the only two references of Abakak. When you read other, other books, other, other prophets, books written by prophets, usually there is an introduction. The first, the first line gives us an introduction and sets the stage. It, it tells us, for example, when the prophet was prophesying, the king who was ruling during that time, the, the, the historical part of it. But when you look at this book, we, we, we don't have a lot of information on that. So if we, we were to answer the question regarding the time when this prophet was uh, existing, we will have to look at the book itself, at, at, at uh, the information that is given there is the one that would help us to give a date, an approximate date, or, or uh, as far as the book is concerned. But before we we look at that one. I would like us to think about this name itself, Abakak. I understand the meaning is uh, to, to embrace, an embrace of love or rest to. When you think about Abakak, the name implies an embrace wrestling, clinging, cleaving, adhering. And when we look at those ones, obviously, we are reminded of somebody like Jacob. In Genesis chapter 32, verse 24, to that, when Jacob was going having left his, his, his father-in-law with his family and his property just before he met his brother, Esau. He made, made sure his, his, his family went ahead of him, but when he was left alone, a man wrestled with him the whole night. And that man, of course, turned out to be the Lord himself. But As the day was breaking, 
that man asked Jacob to, 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 to release him because Jacob was hanging on him. But then Jacob said, I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. And so that, that kind of holding, that is the idea that name Habakkuk implies. Also, when you read the book of Ruth, chapter 1, verse 4, Naomi is going back. And her two daughters-in-law, Ruth and Oprah, are with her. And then she tells them the reality that she is too old to get a son. And, and these daughters may not even wait for her, for, for that son to grow. And so Oprah kisses her mother-in-law and goes back. But we are told in... Um, Chapter 1, Ruth 1, verse 14, we are told that uh, Ruth clung to Naomi. And you read what she said. When Naomi told her to go, your sister, her sister has gone to her gods, and she, uh, 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 to her people and to her gods, Ruth clung to Naomi and said, your people will be my people, your God will be my God. As that conversation goes on, Ruth is hanging on to her mother-in-law. That is the kind of idea that is portrayed by this name, Habakkuk. And uh, when you read the whole book, that is the picture that, or rather the message that we see, because in this book, here is a prophet who starts by complaining about the sin of his people. And God, who doesn't seem to be, who is not taking action. And then when God speaks, when God answers, Habakkuk is uh, perplexed. How can God punish people, his people, using a nation that is worse in as far as sin is concerned than they? And then God answers that complaint also by giving the picture of what God was going to do. Not, not just to his people, but also to that nation, because God was aware of everything that was happening. And so, in the end, you know, the Bible has got interesting characters. I've just remembered another prophet, Jonah, who was sent to go and warn a nation, Nineveh, to go to Nineveh and deliver a message there. Instead of going there, Jonah ran away. But that was not the case with Abakak. And even when Jonah went there and preached and the city repented, Nineveh repented and God's judgment was averted, the prophet was still not 
so excited about that. That was not the case with Abakak. Here is somebody who was willing to trust God, to cling on to God, in spite of the, the fact that judgment was going to come to his people. And also, and, and when that judgment comes, obviously it was not going to be exciting. It, it, it was going to be a very difficult time. That was the reality of the message that was revealed. But the prophet was still willing to trust God. And that one is very important. In spite of the circumstances that we may find ourselves in, are we going to still hold on to God? Do we have in strong faith that would put our trust in God in spite of the circumstances that we are facing? So that is uh, what we need to, 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 to learn from, from this, this, this man. Habakkuk. And so, I think with that explanation of the name, what the name means, because when we are choosing names for our children, we, we, we like a name that has a meaning. And biblical names also have a meaning, including Habakkuk, clinging on, holding on to God, the other thing that we see about this, this man we are told he is a prophet. Habakkuk, the oracle that Habakkuk, the, the prophet, so he is a prophet, definitely. And it, it would appear as if he was um, a professional prophet who was trained in the law of Moses in a prophetic school that was established during the days of Samuel. You can read that one in 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 20, and also 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 38. The other thing that we need to note about Habakkuk as a prophet is uh, maybe he was a priest who was involved in the worship of God at the temple. Because as we have already looked at uh, the last chapter, it is addressed to the choir director. So he is somebody who was known, was a prophet who was known. And maybe that is why we, we are not given a lot of details about the time he was living and uh, because he was well known, familiar with the worship, the, the temple worship. Even though we are not given the dates, the time when this prophet was prophesying, we can get some information because uh, what the Lord tells him in chapter 2, 
God is going to bring judgment to his people, and this judgment is going to be by another nation, that is uh, the Babylonians. That, that is what we read in this book. Abakuk spoke of an eminent innovation by the Babylonians. Verse 6 of chapter 1, For behold, I'm raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, who march through the breadth of the earth, to seize dwellings not their own. That is what God tells Habakkuk. And when you look at that one, or when you, you read that one, it would appear as if the Babylonians or the Chaldeans were just starting to become a, a power, a world power. God was raising them up. God was preparing them to take over the world. And, and before, before the Babylonians, of course, the ones who were dominating were the Assyrians with their capital at Nineveh. The Assyrians are the ones who destroyed the northern kingdom, Israel, in 722 BC. And they almost destroyed Judah also. They wanted to destroy Judah, but God had mercy on them as you read from the book of Isaiah, during the, the time of King Hezekiah, Judah was spared, but this time round, judgment was going to come. So, even if the, 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 the Babylonians or the Chaldeans is the same, the, the, the same one, refers to the same people, Gaudians or Babylonians are the same. Even if Abakak is talking about they are coming, they are, they are not yet attacked Jerusalem. This, the first time this occurred was in 605 BC when Nebuchadnezzar he took the first people into exile. When the, the first group was taken, about 10,000 people were taken to exile. And so we can say Habakkuk was prophesying before 605 BC, maybe towards the end, the, during the reign of uh, Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim was the son of uh, Josiah. And Josiah was a good king who brought a lot of reform. He was able to reverse the evils that his father Manasseh 
Manasseh was a king who ruled for a very long time because he ruled for 55 years. His father was a good king, Hezekiah, but then Manasseh turned out to be a bad king. And God was going to bring judgment on the nation because of the sins of Manasseh. Josiah, on the other hand, instituted some reforms, but they didn't go far enough, unfortunately. When he went to oppose the king of Egypt, who was going to, to defend the king of Assyria, when the, 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 the king of Assyria was attacked by the, the Babylonians, Josiah died in 609 BC. And when his son took over, obviously, he didn't continue with the, the, the reform. He reversed everything that his father had done. One son took over, rode for just three months, and he was removed. Then Joachim became king. But ruined for 12 years, but under his rule, the nation was really in bad state. Those are some of the scenes that Habakkuk is pointing out. Because when you read, when you read from verse 2, verse 2 to 4 is his first complaint. Oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help? And you will not hear. I cry to you, violence, and you will not save. Why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the weekend surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. That is what Habakkuk was concerned with, the sins of his people. He describes it in terms of violence. Injustice, iniquity. And then he was wondering, of course, why is God so quiet? Why is God not bringing judgment on, on God's people to correct them? Because that was his, his prayer. He wanted God to intervene and correct them. That, is, that was the state of Judah during the time of Habakkuk. And when you look at that one, Judah was in rebellion against the Lord. God sent prophets. Jeremiah was one of the prophets during this time. And yet, they did not pay attention to what the the, 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 the messages of the Lord, the prophets were telling them. And that is why God was going to bring judgment. 
Maybe one question that one would want to ask is, why is this book so important? What is the purpose of writing this book? Maybe you can relate that one to the kind of injustice that may be there in the world, because the world is obviously in rebellion against God. There is wickedness, there is sin, and sometimes Christians can act out of frustration, like this prophet wondering why isn't God doing something? Why do the wicked and the dishonest people prosper? This is time of elections. We, we have barely 80 days before elections take place in, in our country. Do you think it's righteous people are going to be elected? Why do weekend people get elected to parliament? Because a lot of money is being spent on elections. And the reason why people are spending so much money is so that they can influence the results in their favor. In their favor. Those without money, even if they are good people, they may not get elected. And that is the kind of situation we find ourselves in. Looks like justice is for, for those who, who can afford, those who have the money. And that is what was happening during the time of Habakkuk. But what we need to realize is uh, God is, is still there. He is in control. God is not inactive. That is what we learn from this book of Habakkuk. And when you look at, at what this uh, prophet is saying, he is concerned. He is a, a righteous man. He is holy. He, he is one who realizes that God is, is dealing with God who is holy. And he himself also desires or, or portrays that quality. When you look at this book anyway, it teaches us a lot about prayer. When Habakkuk is, is, is complaining, oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help? Even that one itself tells us a lot. He has been praying for his people. He has been crying to God. He has been bringing these concerns to God, not once, not twice, 
maybe over a long period of time. And at the end of it, he expresses some frustration. And when you think about our relationship with God as Christians, when you think about prayer, do we have that persistence? Praying for a certain problem, praying for something. The other thing that we can learn from this book is the, the fact that God is God who actually hears the prayers of his people because Abakuk is complaining in verse 2 to 4, he is questioning, he is questioning God, but then God also gives an answer. And that one is encouraging to a Christian. We pray to a God who is involved in what is happening. He is not like like, like, like the idols. Because an idol is, can't, can't do anything. Remember when Elijah was Contesting with 400 prophets. And uh, those prophets were crying, cutting themselves, but because they were worshiping and praying to an idol which is dead, which is mute, which cannot answer prayers, obviously there, was no, there wasn't anything coming from them. But when Elijah prayed to God, he answered in fire and demonstrated his greatness, his glory in a mighty way. So it's, it's encouraging for us to realize that we are praying to a God who listens to our prayers, God who answers prayers, because that is what we learn from this book. In fact, it's the prophet praying, even though he is complaining, even though he is asking difficult questions, even though at the beginning it appears as if God is not hearing, God is not answering, yet God answers, God hears prayers, and that is encouraging for us. The other thing that we learn from this book, and it is the, the primary theme of this book, is about the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God, the doctrine of God's sovereignty is the heart and core of scripture. And sovereignty means that God is the creator, God is the ruler. God is the owner of the universe. He is the master and lord of heaven above and the earth beneath. 
and his will is the cause of all things. Psalm 4, verse 1 and 2 says, The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world, and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas, and established it upon the rivers. So God is sovereign. God is the one who is in control of everything that is happening in the universe because he's the one who has created it. As God sits on the throne of the universe, he maintains creation and directs and works all things according to his own plan and purpose. Everything that happens in heaven and on earth occurs because of God's decree, because of God's will, and because of his purpose. And that is what we learn from this book. When you look at verse 4, of chapter 2, for example, we get a portion that is uh, quoted widely in the New Testament. Behold, his soul is puffed up, it is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. This is in reference to the Babylonians who were using their strength, their power to dominate other nations, to destroy them and, and rule over them. That is what why we are reading about their pride is so is puffed up, but it, it is not upright within. When God looks at them, obviously, the sin was uh, dominant. But then the scripture tells us the righteous shall live by faith. And that is a doctrine. Doctrine of justification. No matter what is happening around us, we are to place our full trust in the sovereign Lord of the universe who is in full control and who cares for his people. The just shall live by faith or the righteous shall live by faith. This book has uh, quite a number of verses which we can consider as the key verses. For example, chapter 1, verse 2, part of the complaint, O Lord, 
How long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? And then verse 5 is another key verse. This is God answering Habakkuk. Look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded for I am going, I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe. Habakkuk is complaining that God is not taking action, but God is telling him what he is going to do. Not wonder because of what God was going to do. In verse 12 is another key verse. And verse 12 is part of Habakkuk's second complaint. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my God? My Holy One, we shall not die, O Lord. You have ordained them as a judgment, and you, O Rock, have established them for reproof. So he is telling God that uh, you are from everlasting. From everlasting, he is acknowledging God to be sovereign, to be from everlasting. He is acknowledging God to be holy. And then he is also putting some hope that even though God is going to punish them using such a nation, yet they are not going to die. There is some hope. God had ordained them for, for judgment to correct them. And then when you look at chapter 2, another key, 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 key verse is chapter 2. In, in verse 1, Habakkuk, after expressing his second complaint, he says, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. So when we are saying Habakkuk, the, the book is about complaints, even he himself says he is, he is complaining. What I will answer concerning my complaint. And then verse 2 to 4. And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so that he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not die. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by faith. Still another key verse is chapter 2, verse 20. But the Lord is in his holy temple, let the earth keep silence before him. And chapter 3, verse 2. O Lord, I have heard the report of you 
and your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. Chapter 3 is a prayer of Habakkuk. You can describe it as, as a psalm of praise. He is praising God. He is accepting the situation as revealed because chapter, chapter 2 is very clear about what was going to happen, the judgment that was going to come, not just to Judah, but also to the nation that was going to, God, that God was going to use to punish his people. And Habakkuk is, uh, as it were, surrendering himself to the will of the Lord. I have heard the, the report of you and your work. O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. And so, he is putting his faith in God himself. God, you are saying, the righteous shall live by faith. And this is what we see Habakkuk himself committing himself to, putting his trust in God. So as uh, we know from the New Testament, there is the gospel in this book. The apostle Paul quotes Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4 on two occasions. For example, in Romans 1 verse 17, and also in Galatians 3 verse 11. And he uses not, not the whole of, of the verse, but the last part of the verse to reiterate the doctrine of justification by faith. And what we learned is the faith that saves is a gift of God. That is what we read in Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. And this faith is sustained throughout life because we attain eternal life by faith and we live the Christian life by the same faith. This is in contrast to what we read, we have read in uh, Habakkuk 2 verse 4 about the, the proud whose soul is puffed up. And he was no righteousness, who are not upright within. So it is faith. And what this means is the Lord is the one who is going to keep us. We need to put our trust in the Lord and acknowledge like Abakuku does in chapter 3, verse 19. The last verse, God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me trend on my high places. That is the kind of faith that will sustain us 
through difficult times. God gives us power to go over our, the challenges that we face, the troubles that we face, the suffering, the persecution, the challenges that we face in our battle as Christians. The way before us may be full of suffering, may be full of sorrow, but if we trust the Lord, He will safely take us where He wants us to be. I would like us to look at some, some principles from this book. And the first one is that God sometimes seems to be inactive, but he is very much involved. Because as you read, Abakuku is complaining, God, you are not doing something. And God tells them he is going to bring the Babylonians. They were under the control of God. He was using them to achieve his purposes. Another principle is the fact that God is holy and just, and he will not be indifferent in dealing with the sin and the injustice. In verse 3 of chapter 1, it, it appears as if Habakkuk is, uh, is complaining that God is, seems to be indifferent as far as iniquity is concerned. Why do you make me see iniquity and why do you idly look at, at the wrong? But God was not indifferent. God definitely will bring judgment at the right time, at his own time. As we have already seen, another principle we get from this book is God hears and answers prayers. That one should be very encouraging, very comforting. But even if God hears and answers prayers, still we need to realize that the answers he gives may not necessarily be what we expected. God sometimes gives unexpected answers to our prayers. Because when we are praying, sometimes we are asking God to give us what? Something that we, we want. We anticipate the answer that we would like to get from God. But when he answers it differently, we think that he hasn't answered at all. But that is not necessarily the case. The other thing that we can draw from this, this book is the fact that God is just and God is good. And God's goodness comes out even in the worst of situations. God will judge the weekend and he is also concerned for the righteous. God will punish the weekend at the right time. And as we have seen from chapter 2, verse 4, the righteous live by faith 
and faithfulness. Because they believe that God is good and God is just. And live accordingly. The righteous waits faithfully for God's purposes to be fulfilled. I would like us to conclude this, this lesson by looking at a few, few lessons from the book of Habakkuk. We need to worship the one who gives strength rather than the strength itself. Because the Babylonians, we are told, when they won the victory, they were celebrating the instruments that gave them that victory instead of, instead of celebrating God. They didn't know God. But for us, God is the one who gives us strength to accomplish his purposes. Remember what Paul says in Philippians 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We have already emphasized the fact that the just shall live by faith. Also, the other thing that we need to realize is when we help others, we are actually helping ourselves. But when we hurt others, that one hurting others turns back to us. Because in chapter 2, verse 10, we read, you have devised shame for your house by cutting off many peoples. You have forfeited your life. That is what we are learning from that one. In this book also, another verse which we did not quote is 2 verse 14. He talks about the earth being filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And we know, obviously, when the Lord returns, that will happen. Then the, the other lesson we need to learn is to submit ourselves to God reverently. In chapter 2, verse 20, because Because the, 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 that, that is what Abakuku is telling us. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. We need to submit ourselves to the Lord. The same message we find in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13 and 14. Then we, real, we, we also learn from this book that God is both wrathful and merciful. God will judge the sinners. God will have mercy 
on those who have put their trust in him. That is a big lesson for us. And even as we close, I would like you to think about the issue. Because when you look at this book, Habakkuk is questioning God. Is there room for us as believers to question God? And obviously, from this, from, from what we have learned, we can say there is room. Reverently, we can ask God questions about the challenges, the issues that we face. And he will deal with us like he dealt with Habakkuk. Because nowhere does God rebuke Habakkuk for the questions he was asking. God was answering and answering in his own way. Any comments? We have looked at the lesson in general, uh, at the book in general. We will go through it chapter by chapter in the coming days, coming Sundays, God willing. We're going to pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for giving us your one. We pray, Lord God, that we may be attentive, willing to learn what you have for us. Thank you, Lord, for your God who is involved in our lives, even in our nation. We pray, especially at this time of elections, Lord, you know whom you have chosen to be the next president of this country. We pray, Lord God, that you grant us peace. Lord, whatever happens, pray for your people, for the Christians, for those who put their trust in Christ, to be humble, to pray for the nation like you command us. We pray, Lord God, that we will accept whatever circumstances we find ourselves in because we know, Lord God, that your God who is sovereign, nothing that happens without you allowing, nothing that happens without you knowing, your God who is, who is in control. We thank you, Lord, for our lives are in your hands. We pray, Lord God, that we will firmly lay hold on our Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, and trust you, Lord, to carry us through even challenging times like we find ourselves in. Be with us. May we know your presence this day through the preaching of your word. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm.